0: All right. good morning friends. If you go ahead and take your Bibles and uh, turn with me to the book of John. The book of John, uh, chapter number 15. uh, The book of John, chapter number 15. It's good to be together this morning. I hope um, that you guys have been trekking with us in our 31 day uh, journey of prayer that we've been on uh, throughout the month of January. I hope that's been um, a sweet time for you. It has been for me. Uh, if you have not done that, you still have a week or so left uh, to jump in. Uh, if, you all, if you noticed that 31-day prayer guide that we've developed, if you don't know what that is, grab one of those at the, at the back. It's kind of some guided prayer with a different topic and different scripture uh, each day. Uh, but we made that generic on purpose, so you can continue that in February if you'd like. So like 28 days in February, so you can just double up a couple of days. That can be something you keep repeating if you would like to do that. Uh, but I really pray that it's been a special time for us as a faith family. Uh, to believe the same things together uh, and be going before the Lord um, in this season of of extended, focused uh, time of prayer. So I pray that the Lord has been uh, speaking to you and changing you as you've done that. So we've been rallying around this verse um, all month, Colossians um, chapter 4, but what does it mean for a group of people, for a church, to be devoted to prayer? What does that look like? How, how does that express itself in our individual lives and in our lives together corporately to be a people who are desperate for God and are devoted uh, to, to many things, but we are devoted to prayer. And so I, I, I want us to continue on in that, but I want to get a little honest and practical a little bit this morning about where I think so many of us, I know it's where we are because I've talked with many of you, I know that's true for my own story and my own kind of experience in a lot of ways Um, Prayer, we've been saying, is just really, most simply, it's talking to God. So Let's think about this together. That if prayer is talking to the most important being in all of the universe, that's who God is, right? That there's none better than Him. He's the greatest treasure of the universe, the God who spoke and it came to be. We're talking to the most important person in the universe about the most important things in our lives. That's the case. That's what prayer is. We're going before the Lord with all of the issues and the needs of our hearts. So the most important things we call out to God in prayer over, talking to God Himself. So why is prayer often so boring? I mean, can, can we say that in church? I mean, anybody with me on that? So I've, been trying, I've I've tried to pray, and I've been trying even to be devoted to prayer, and my mind just wanders. I, I would say, man, I have to be praying for about 45 minutes. You look at your clock, and it's been... 45 seconds you know why is that if this really is the case it's the most important being in all the universe about the most important matters of our lives why is it so boring so often why do our mind wander so much why is it so difficult to focus on the right things why is it difficult have you ever done this to come up with something to say you're like there and you're like your, your heart's there you're not f- distracted you're focused going what do i do Like, what do I say to this God? Why would he ever want to listen to me? What do I say to him? And I know I have all these needs, but in this moment, I can't come up with the words to say back to God. And so what you end up doing is you get so frustrated. And you say it just feels like God is a million miles away. It feels like my prayers don't make it past the ceiling. So I just give up. Maybe it's God's fault. Maybe it's something wrong with me. No one else struggles that way. Anybody ever, am I talking to anybody this morning other than myself? Okay, I mean, I think it's so many of us. So why is that? And so Donald Whitney's book that we have made available for sale out there, he says this in his opening chapter, and I think it's so just right. I think he diagnoses a part of the problem. Is so often prayer becomes saying the same old things about the same old things. And so you know if you're going to say the same things about the same things, it's going to be boring. And at some point, no one wants to keep repeating themselves about that. So here's what happens. We know we're going to pray the same things about the same old things. And so we know it's going to be boring. We're going to not really do it that well. So we just give up, and we never enter into prayer. We just kind of check out and say, it's just not for me. It's too difficult. And we walk around. If you have Christ in you, the Holy Spirit in you, many of us feel guilt. Like, I know I should be praying more. I know I should want to pray. Derek, you're right. He's everything. Why am I bored in his presence? And we just walk around with this guilt, with this shame. Some of us keep trying and failing, which perpetuates more guilt. Some of us just check out altogether. Some of us get very cynical and bitter toward this concept of prayer. It just doesn't work. Uh, we've been diagnosing this all this last month, but, um, but here I think it's part of the problem. Let's just get practical and real. We're going to get into the Word uh, and preach the Word this morning, but today's going to be more practical than it usually is, okay? Uh, here's why I think some of that is. And Donald Whitney talks about this in his book, but he says, So many times, our ordinary lives, like our everyday lives, they don't change that much from day to day. So if we're praying about the things in our lives, thankfully, everything doesn't dramatically change from day to day. And so if we're praying about the same old things, about the same old things, it's going to get this this cycle of just the sameness that's going to cause us to check out. So here's a few things that he lists that I I think is a pretty fair list of the things that we typically pray for. So just think about your own prayer life and your own... Uh, stammering attempts to be devoted to prayer and see we pray for things like our family right every time we sit down to pray we're praying for the people in our lives we pray for our future so some decisions coming up some job that we need some financial problems whatever Uh, we pray for the future we pray for our finances anybody with me on that we look at the you know we pray for our finances Uh, we pray for work and things that are happening in our lives just some complications at work people in our lives at work uh, maybe just maybe we'll get out of that rut and pray for Christian concerns. So maybe you pray for the church here or some ministry uh, or nonprofit that you're involved in. And so we'll pray for uh, Christian concern. And you, there's that one thing in your life, that current crisis, that you don't need a prayer list to pray about. It's whatever's in your life right now that's just causing you to go before the Lord, just kind of on repeat, on automatic. You don't need to remind yourself to pray. It's that thing in your life right now that's just so big. Um, and just, that's the stuff that we typically go before the Lord with. Family, future, finances, work, Christian concern, and our current crisis. And again, if none of that's changing all that much, we're going to keep in this cycle of just, Lord, lead God and direct us. You know, those, those kind of canned prayers that so many of us can pray. And if you've ever been around people that you've heard pray a lot, you can almost finish their prayers for them. Anybody? Because they <laughs> pray the same things. You know what they're about to say. This is this, this God speak, this religious talk that we have around the church. We just we turn into these weird people when we try to pray. I beseech thee, O Lord. Like, who says that? You know, like, why are you trying to, I don't, why do we get like that when we pray? I think we're just fundamentally missing something about what it means to walk with God. there's a missing link in it. And so as a church, we're trying to look at, like last week, when Jesus says, don't pray like this, but when you pray, pray like this. We need to learn some right things, but we also need to get down to where we live and say, how does this look practically in my life? Derek, that's true. I'm just so distracted. I'm so bored. I I am. I'm in that rut of just saying the same things about the same things. How do we be set free from this cycle? Well, there's a couple things, I think, um, that this means. First, we must understand that prayer is something that we need. You say, Derek, I get it. No, no, no. It's Something that we need. It's not an optional aspect of our lives. If you're following Christ, if you're in Jesus, like this is not just kind of something that we might get better at. This is a life or death spiritually kind of thing. Now, Tim Keller in his book talks about this illustration that if you went to the doctor and he said, you have this terminal illness and you will die tomorrow morning. If you do not take this pill at 8 p.m. every night. Well, at 8 p.m. every night, what do you think you're going to be doing? You're going to take the pill. It's not an option. You're not going, ah, I'm kind of tired. You know, I'm bored. Every time I take the pill, I don't like the way it feels going down my throat. and It's just awkward for me. That's not not the reality. If it's life or death, I do not wake up tomorrow. If I do not do what the doctor has prescribed right now. It changes things. So, all the excuses of, well... I just don't, my schedule's really busy, and that Netflix show is on. You know, like doesn't, That doesn't change anything. I mean, you're putting everything aside at 8 p.m., precisely you're taking the pill. Because you know you need it. It's not like a multivitamin. Anybody try to take multivitamins and forget and kind of check out on that? I've got some like that are like rotting in my cabinet because I keep forgetting to take the vitamins. Because it's an optional thing. It's like, I don't really need to take my multivitamins. It'll probably help my health, but it's not that big of a deal uh, to me. Because it's it's not a necessity. And I think we approach prayer that way. It's like, yeah, I know I need to be doing it. I know it's good. But I I just, it's not something that is life or death. If I do not get alone before my Father, I have no help, no hope. I must. Where else can I go, Lord? You have the words of eternal life. So it's a heart problem. We must understand prayer is something we need. We need to get our hearts right and actually see this the right way Uh, in Second, we must deepen the way that we pray. Yes, our hearts are just fickle, and we don't really love God like we should. We don't really see our sin as bad as it really is. We don't really see our need before the Lord. We think that we can handle our life just fine. We've been talking about that. But we also must deepen the way we pray. Maybe, just maybe, it is a heart problem, but maybe it's also a method problem. Maybe so many of us grew up in, in and around the church and we've kind of been accustomed to this particular way to pray and there's no right or wrong way necessarily to pray, but we get into these, these modes of, and, and of what it is and maybe the Spirit of God needs to release us from some of that and to pray in such a way that I believe is very, very, very biblical. Um, so let's jump into 1 John chapter 5. I have you in John 15, but the, these words will be up on the screen to kind of set up our conversation today. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. And this is the confidence that we have toward him, toward God. So why do we have confidence? We talked about that last week. We have confidence to enter into the presence of a holy God because God is now our Father. And we are adopted sons and daughters of God. So we cannot just have to come in timidly. God delights to hear from us, and we come boldly, not in our name, but in the name of Jesus. We have confidence. But notice this promise. It's really staggering if we not just check out and just read Bible verses, but to actually see what God is saying to us uh, here. We have confidence toward him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Like That's staggering. This God of the universe says, you can ask anything to me, and I promise to hear you. Like That is kind of set you free kind of thing. Now, some of us, we hear that, and we respond in two ways, some of us. We respond by just dismissing it. Like, that's too good to be true. There's no way. There's some qualifier. There's no way that he'll hear anything that I ask of him. Like, that just can't be true. But some of us will respond by misapplying it. So you don't just dismiss it. You go, I'm going to take this and just, God, you promised you're going to hear me. And you just ask for anything and everything. And so those are the two ditches that we do not want to fall into. But if we're going to rightly claim that promise, ask anything, And God promises to hear us. Guys, don't let that get stale. That's beautiful. But there's a condition in the middle of it. What is it? If you ask anything, what? According to his will. So we can't just dismiss this. We can't just misapply it. If you ask anything, but that's in accordance with his will. So how do we know that we're praying according to the will of God? Because if we can figure that out, if we know how to pray according to the will of God, then it's just set up this whole host of the, the riches and the surpassing worth of, of our inheritance and all that we are as sons and daughters going before our Father who's in heaven that delights to give good gifts to His kids if we're praying according to God's will. So here's a quote that we've used uh, throughout this series. I want to bring it up in front of our attention again. Tim Keller. Prayer listen, is continuing... The conversation that God has started in His Word. Prayer is continuing the conversation that God has started in His Word. So as Christians, here's what we believe. That God has started a conversation with you. You never would have looked after, went after God. You'd never be able to understand the mind of God. You'd never have access to the presence of God if God did not pursue us first. And He's revealed Himself in the pages of this book. The words of God. Verbally inspired to say this is God's revelation of himself to us. That God is speaking to you. (laughs) Think about it. You say, I wish God would just open up the clouds of heaven and I hear an audible voice and then I would follow him, then I would trust him. And the Bible says you have something more sure, this word of prophecy, more sure. He has spoken and God has started this conversation with you and with me. He wants you to know him. He wants to be known by us. He said, I'm starting this conversation. And so what if prayer is this gift that God has given us to take the truths of the word of God and understand, God, what have you said to me? What are you saying to me? It's, it's, It's living and it's active right now. So as we read this, this is not just cold, dead words on a page. It is as if the spirit of God is speaking to our hearts when we read his word. And so what if it's saying prayer is not just me kind of just trying to hog the conversation and keep talking to God, trying to come up with more and more and more to say. And our Bible reading is not just trying to learn doctrine and facts and memorize all that's saying here. What if there's a way that we can approach prayer through the Word that is literally having a conversation with God? God, you've spoken to me, and now I'm speaking back to you based upon what you've said. I'm responding to you. Man, that changes the way we view prayer a conversation with God and we know that we, set, we just started out prayers talking to God I mean you grew up hearing that everyone in our world almost has this idea that oh prayers is talking to God but what if he talks back man I think maybe that's the missing piece in our prayer life and God does through his uh, through his words so listen we pray according to God's will when we pray according to his word ask anything and I'll hear you if you pray according to my will how do I know I'm praying according to your will If you pray according to God's word. So we enter into a conversation with God when we turn the entire Bible into prayer. You say, Derek, this is kind of, I've never heard this before. This is, or maybe you're saying this is really simple. But like this is earth shattering. These, These truths, someone taught me to do this years ago. And it's changed my walk with Jesus. Now I still get distracted in prayer. I still have those moments like everybody else. But this absolutely will revolutionize our lives. And there's not one right way to do it. But I'm telling you, this will set us free. Here's what praying the Bible will do. Okay, Here's what praying the Bible will do. It allows us to pray for the same things we've been praying. Okay, So we're praying the same old things, about the same old things. But we pray them in fresh ways. So instead of saying, God, Lord, lead God and direct my family. What if you open up to Psalm 23 and say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. God, will you please be a shepherd to my kids? Will you give them everything they need? See, you pray for the exact same thing, but you pray in a fresh way. You take the truths of God's word and you turn them into a prayer. Then it'll absolutely set uh, us free in this. But then here's also what will happen. When you pray according to God's word, it'll prompt us to pray for things that we never would have thought to pray for otherwise. Because it it guards us from just kind of getting into our ruts. It guards us to get ourselves out of the everyday into what God is doing in the world. That's why we believe in expository preaching. That's why we will take books of the Bible, like we're going to start here in a few weeks, and just start in Colossians and go verse by verse by verse. Because we believe that God knows more what we need than we know what we need. So we're not going to take all these topical sermons. We're going to preach the Bible in the same way in our prayer life, that when we pray the Word, it guards us against this distracted, self-centered, limited prayers. He has a holistic, say, God, what are you doing? And listen, even for guidance, we pray so much, we want to hear God speaking in guidance. We do not need a voice when we have a verse say it again, we don't need a voice when we have a verse. You say, God, I wish you'd just give me direction over this area of my life. And there's all these question marks in our lives, right? All these question marks. But what if we say, no, no, no. God, you've already spoken. 90% of your will that you want out of my life is already given to me. Maybe not the specifics of the who's and the what's and the when's and all of that, That's just for walking with the Spirit, but you've already told me what you want my life to be about. You've already told me how to make decisions. So God, I want to submit to that. So instead of getting so paralyzed in the 10% that I don't know right now, and God delights to hear from that 10%, what if we focus on the 90% that we do know, but what God has already revealed, and say, God, I want you to change me. I want to pray according to your will. It'll set us free. We don't need a voice, when we have a verse. He's already spoken. And so let's go to Jesus. I have you in John 15. So, Derek, all this stuff sounds great, but I'm not really sold yet. Well, let's look at what Jesus says, because Jesus explicitly makes the link between prayer and the place we give God's Word. So let's look at John 15. We know the context around this if you've been around church at any length of time, but Jesus is one of his final teachings to his disciples before he's crucified. And he's talking to them, walking through a vineyard, and he makes this parallel that you need to abide in me and I in you. Because apart from me, you can do nothing. And in the context of that, verse 7, let's pull this out and look and let's wrestle with what he says uh, together. John 15, verse 7. If you abide in me, Jesus says, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. So Jesus takes this promise and ups it a notch that we saw in 1 John. He doesn't just say, I'll hear you. He says, Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. I'm going beyond just hearing you, I'm going to actually intervene in your life. Power from God will come. So ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. But listen, there's two conditions. Just like we had to pray according to God's will, Jesus gives us two conditions here. He'll do whatever we ask if, if you stay in Jesus and if Jesus' words stay in you. If those two things are happening, then it revolutionizes the way that we pray. Then we can have confidence that he will hear and answer our prayers. So listen, this word abide, Jesus said abide in me and let my words abide in you. In the original language, it has this idea of dwelling place, of your home. So you may have heard the expression, welcome to my humble abode. It's that same idea, that where you abide is where you live. And so Jesus says, listen, first, you've got to abide in me. You're going to make your home in me. So abiding prayer requires union with Jesus. That if we're really going to experience all that God has for us in this intimacy and this relationship with Him, that we have to first understand that we must be in Jesus. We talked about this a lot last week, about what God does in adopting us into His family and how that gives us the platform for prayer. So we won't go too deep into this. I want you to think about what this means. Prayer is praying to your Father. Jesus says, pray like this. Pray our Father. God the Father, who is sovereign over all things and delights to bless us. And we pray through the Son, in the righteousness of Jesus, we come, not in my merit, but in your merit. And we pray by the power of the Holy Spirit. So God, I need you to change my focus, to change my heart, to pray the right things. Um, Continue to make Christ known to me. You are in Christ, Christ is in you. That's why Jesus uses this illustration of of a branch and a vine. That Jesus is the source of life. Guys, listen, this this changes the way we view religion and Christianity. I am the vine and you are the branch. So you need to stay connected to me. If you're a branch off on your own without being connected, you will wither and you will die. But if you're connected to me, all the power of the vine is in you. So abiding prayer says, no, Jesus, I'm in union with you. So God does not tell us, you better try really hard to live for Jesus. You better try really hard to be like Jesus. He says, if you will stay connected to me, remain in me, abide in me. Make your dwelling place in who I am and what I have done for you. Earlier in John 15, he says, abide in my love then it's the life of Jesus pressed out through you. That's the difference. That's the secret to Christianity. It's why Christianity sets aside from all other world religions. All other world religions says, here's what I've got to do. And Christianity comes in and says, no, no, it's about grace and what has already been done. If you are in Christ, it is his life being pressed out through your life. You have the resurrection Power of Jesus living inside of you. If you are if you're repented of your sin and put faith in Jesus, you are united with Christ. The same position that the Son has, we have. That same right to go before the Lord. So, His life in us produces His life through us, and that changes everything. If you abide in Jesus, if you are in Jesus, but then He says, and if my word abides in you, so that's true. It's all about grace and what's already been done. There's nothing left for us to do to make ourselves right with God. And we have this power source. We're tapped into the vine. That is Jesus. His life flowing through our life. Man, that changes things. But then there's another condition. His word must abide in us. His word, what he said, this relationship. So you say, Derek, is there anything left for me to do in this whole grace thing? Is there anything left for me to do in this? And Jesus would say, not for your acceptance, but because you are accepted. Yes, there is discipline. There is work. There is a, I'm going to submit and to call myself back and submit myself under the truths of your word. Listen, not to be a child, but because you are a child. Not to be loved, but because you are loved. He says, work hard, be disciplined, have devotion. To remain in me. So here's this this statement that I want us to unpack a little bit. We must pursue to become who we already are in Christ. So listen, because you are in Jesus, here's what God says, you are loved. You are accepted. You are delighted in. You are chosen. You are made new. Listen, you are set free from sin. You are. You do have your eyes open. You do have the capacity to understand because you are in Christ. Apart from Christ, we can't do any of those things. But in Christ, that is already true. It cannot be more true for you and me right now. But, he says, we must pursue to become like who we already are. It's already good as done. We are accepted. We are loved. We're all these promises because we're in Christ. But we have to fight on this side of eternity. To be who we already are. It's this process called sanctification. Becoming like Jesus in every area of life. And that requires discipline. It just does. It requires devotion. And so it's like this. If you use a, uh, like your cell phone, okay? Anybody's power went out this week? I don't know if it did or not. You have this this awesome device of an iPhone or Android or whatever you people like. Okay? iPhone. Uh, You have this this device. It has all this power to make calls around the world. The World Wide Web is at your fingertips. All this power in this device. But if you do not keep it plugged in to the wall, it's going to lose its power. It's not going to be able to be what all it could be if it does not have a power source. So all the power is in this wall, and some electricians can help me with this, but there's power in the wall, and I've got to get that power in the wall into my device. I cannot figure out how to keep this device in the connected to the power source. I have no hope. It's going to die. So you have this little cord, right, that you lose all the time in your house, right? This power cord that does what? It transfers the power that's in the wall to your device. Without the power cord, no hope. And so what if these spiritual disciplines of our lives, reading the Word, prayer, community, fasting, solitude, generosity, mission, all these things we talk about, these disciplines, that you must do this. What if it's not about being accepted? We already are, but there's still a place for these wires. What if all of that is just the wires that keeps us connected to the power source that is Jesus? So God, if I don't get connected to this, I'm gonna run out of power. If I don't stay in him, if I don't remain in Jesus, and how do I remain in Jesus? How do I abide Well, it's because His Word abides in me. i got to get His Word down deep in me so that I can stay down deep in Jesus. And so I'm going to stay connected. And I'm going to do whatever it takes. I'm going to say no to anything that's keeping me from this union with Jesus. And I'm going to keep, what are these cords in my life? And how can I stay connected to the power that is Jesus into my life so that that power is expressed and to be all that God's created me to be? Because there's power in, in Jesus. This is the difference of Christianity. It is an internal transformation that works itself out. But listen, you're never going to tap into the riches of who you already are in Christ if you are not disciplined. If you do not make room to experience everything that is already true, there is an abundance of treasure waiting in Jesus that I don't think we tap into. We walk around defeated. We walk around believing lies. Just just unfocused, just kind of just trying to survive. When Jesus says, no, 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 I came that you may have life and have it abundantly. So I, I'm going to ask you. You say, Derek, I feel dry. I feel like God's a million miles away. I, I don't understand. And I'm just going to ask, what place do you really give God's word? Really? I mean, you say, well, I'm, I'm trying to read, and I, I'm not, this is not casting judgment, do more, try, it's not it at all. But there's a correlation between your relationship with Jesus and your joy in Jesus and the place you give God's word. Now, that's not to say you start reading the Bible and everything gets fixed. That's not saying you read the Bible and your depression goes away. That's not saying you read the Bible and you automatically just are happy and just, that's not what we mean. But there's a depth of a, of a knowledge of who God is that can stand the test of our emotions. And can stand whatever circumstances are going around us. But you've got to fight to believe. You have to fight to stay connected. What if this is the depth of prayer life that Jesus invites us into. And the result of this abiding. Remaining in Jesus with his word remaining in us. We stay connected to our source of life. Here's what happens in verse 8. By this, by our fruit bearing and by our scripture saturated praying. My father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. You remain in Jesus, and he said, you will become changed. Fruit will then happen naturally in your life, rather than trying to have to force it to make it happen. So we've got to move on quick. Romans chapter 12, I want us just to see what happens. How, how do we produce fruit? Let's read this together. Romans 12, verse 1, the words will be up on the screen. Paul writes to this church and says, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice is devotion holy and acceptable to God which is your spiritual worship showing the worthiness of God do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God what is good and acceptable and perfect do you catch that last phrase Well, this happens in us, we're able to see the will of God. We're able now to have a a mind that says, I know how to pray according to God's will. How does that happen? Only when we have a renewal of our mind. So here's, here's what we're trying to do. When we pray according to God's word, we're saying, God, I need you to change me. So I'm not just going to go off on an isolation and pray what I think is best. I'm submitting myself to what you've already started. And we're going to have this conversation. I'm going to submit. And by the power of the Spirit of God and by the Word of God, change my mind. Change the way I think. Change the way I see the world. And whatever you say in your Word dictates what I'm going to pursue. And what I'm going to think, I need you to change me. And when that happens, he says, you will be able then to know the will of God. Be able to pray. Then your prayers are centered around what he is doing in, uh, in the world. So listen, we want to guard against taking these promises, that we can ask whatever we wish and it will be done for us, and he promises to hear us. Listen, our joy does not come from Jesus giving us everything that we want. Our joy comes when Jesus it becomes all we want. This is not just some Promise I have in my back pocket to pull out and say, God, give me everything I need. Give me everything I want. say, no, 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 God, you are everything I need. You are everything I want. My mind is now transformed to say all this stuff that's real and actual and you care about is secondary. You are everything. So I need you. I need to be centered around you. And then I'm right in the right perspective now to ask for things. Because I see that all of my hope, all of my delight is in you what we begin to wish for changes when we are jesus so as we as we close out what does this mean what does this practically mean and it's this is word um, meditation that it's in the bible and i want us to talk about it as we close we have just a few more minutes left but let's get down to the degree what does it look like tomorrow morning for me to do this for me to do this so how does Jesus' word dwell in us We've got to dwell in Jesus by remaining in his word. But how can we really live a life where the word of God is dwelling in our souls? How does happening? happen? is this idea of meditation. The idea of meditation is this, comes to the idea of, of murmuring. That you're murmuring the same thing over and over and over and over again. Um, and in the Scripture, it's saying we're taking the truths of God's word and we're letting them saturate in our mind. It's the same idea, I've used this before, uh, of cows. Anybody? Grew up on a farm, anybody? Jake? Yeah, okay. Um, so we have, we have a farm, and the, ch- and the cows that go off and they eat the grass, what do they do? They go off, and they throw it back up. Gross, right? And they chew the cud. I, they used to tell me, my granddaddy used to tell me. They chew the cud, and they eat, they get nutrients from it, and they swallow it, and they spit it back up, and they chew it some more, and they swallow And it's this constant rhythm of taking the same food and regurgitating it up to chew on it and then swallow it, chew on it. It's a constant rhythm all day. That's the idea of meditating on Scripture, is that I get a hold of some nutrients in God's Word, and then I'm going to keep chewing on it. I'm going to keep dwelling on it. I'm not going to just have my quiet time for five minutes and then go check out and live the rest of my days. I'm taking God's Word, and I'm letting it dwell in me. I'm meditating on it. I'm murmuring it back to myself. So write this down. Read your Bible like a cow. That's what we're trying to say. That will change your life. That will change your life. Well, don't don't just move on from the Word, but dwell in the Word. Dwell in the Word. And so here, we won't read it for the sake of time, because we've gotta, we got to get going. But the book of Psalms, I just want to just even push this even further to make sure we're getting I know this is real practical. We're not doing a lot of exegesis today. It's okay. We'll do that next week. Um, I, I want us to really, really think about this. The book of Psalms, you know what they are? They're prayers. It's a hymn book, and they're meant to be sung, but you read the Psalms. So think about this. God has inspired Scripture, a whole book in the Bible, the longest book of the Bible, and it's just this guy and multiple guys crying out to God, being honest about where he is. And it's songs of praise and songs of God, where in the world are you, and everything in between. It's just prayers. So a good place to start to pray the Bible is to pray the Psalms. Because it fills the full range of emotions. But think about how good God is, that He gave us an entire book of prayers to teach us how to pray. Because our prayers must be shaped by the Word of God. But something really interesting is Psalm chapter 1. It's one of the few, if not the only, psalm in all of the book of Psalms that is not a prayer. And it was it was put there intentionally as they arranged the scriptures. They put Psalm 1 before all of the other psalms because all these psalms are going to be prayers how to interact with God. But Psalm 1 is not a prayer, but it says, you remember what it is? Blessed is the man who does not walk in the ways of this world. Very similar to what God said in Romans chapter 12. Do not be conformed to this world. Don't walk in the ways of these unbelievers to be, have your mind shaped that way. So here's a good soul level question as we enter into a response. What does your mind think about when you don't have to think about anything? Where does your mind just wander? Because that's probably what we're worshiping. That's what we believe. And so if we do not fight those thoughts with the truth of God's Word, we're going to miss it. We're going to miss it. Do not be conformed to this world. Do not walk in the ways of this world. But he says, but blessed is the man who delights in the law of God. And on his law, he meditates day and night. Delights in the Word worship can you say that about yourself do you delight in god's word is it food for your soul god says is the man who finds joy and worship as he encounters god through the word and then on his law he meditates day and night see again there's a connection if you want to worship and have a depth of delight it's directly tied or are you meditating on what it says If what we just read out of Psalm 119 is true, that your word is life, then why would we not want to hide that word in our hearts? To continue to meditate on it. It's a depth of intimacy, church, that we're missing out on. And the result is, Psalm 1, verse 3 says, He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and in all that he does, he prospers. You delight in the the word, You meditate on the Word, you will be changed. Paralleling with John and what we read in Romans, it will change us, church. It will. It revolutionizes our prayer life. So, praying the Bible or meditation is dwelling in the Word to the point that our heart catches up with our head that then affects our hands. It's saying, I don't want to just understand what you're saying, God. I want to chew on this Word so much until it gets down into my heart. I'm not going to just go off so flippantly until it gets down into me. And then when it gets down into me, it's going to change the way I live. That's why Jesus said, if you want to abide in me, you must keep my commandments. When the word gets down in us, the word will produce change through us. It will. So meditate. but Guys, we've got to slow down. We have to linger. We have to have a plan. We have to be disciplined. And so I have three minutes. I'm on time. Can you believe I, Can I do it? I don't know. Let's try. Practically. Practically. That wasn't me. I'm just going to read these off really quick, okay? Some of this is what I've, I've tried to do in my own personal walk with Jesus. Find a regular place to get alone and remove distractions. Have a place. You say, Derek, I'll just pray driving down the road. And that's okay. But what if you just say, I'm going to get up early. I'm just going to find a place where I can get the Bible open, and I'm just going to get alone with God. And maybe we start... And we pray for illumination, Psalm 119. We just read it earlier. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. Not boring things, but wonderful things. God, open my eyes. That's a good prayer to pray before you open up the word. It's okay. God, open my eyes. Let me see you. Let me interact with you and your word. And then you read the scripture. Read the scripture. And I have up there, less is more. Here's what I mean by that instead of just trying to read as much as you can, I would much rather us uh, say, I'm going li- to read just a little bit. And I'm going to actually chew on that little bit rather than read a book every morning. Because I think somehow we think we're more godly if we just read, 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 read. What if you just say, I'm just going to read all this, but I'm going to focus in on this passage. This is what jumped out. This is what really spoke to me. I'm going to meditate on this little phrase right here. Take that. Let it be that. So less is more. Uh, less is more. Read the scripture and then ask questions. What is this text saying to me? Like, what does it mean? We can't just apply it to our lives until we know what God is saying. So what did the author, when God wrote this book, what did he intend this to mean? And then we ask questions like this. Here's just some questions that I work on uh, every day when I'm in, my, in, my, in the Word. Okay? This is not new for me. This is true for uh, all of us. But we read a text and we, maybe you're journaling out. God, does this text that I'm reading right now? Teach me about who you are. And what you've done. Look for it. So as you're reading the Bible tomorrow morning. God, what does this teach me about who you are? What can I learn about what you've done in the world? God, teach me. What does this text teach me about who I am? About my rightful place? How does this text show me my sin? Okay? How, how, what does this text teach me about the gospel and how it redeems this? So think about what this means. I'm reading this. I'm asking these questions. Going, God, what does this teach me about you and what you've done? And then you just turn that into a prayer. God, I praise you. you are creator i praise you that you are redeemer i praise you that you're holy i praise you that you moved in history this way and god this is showing me that i'm a sinner bible says do not let do not gossip and so i'm reading that text i'm going god i've gossiped how have i gossiped all right god i confess that i'm gossiped why do i gossip lord teach me about the idols that's causing me to gossip and then you say, God, what has Jesus done? So I'm not going to try to try harder or feel guilt. Like, Lord, I confess and I repent. God, take this away from me. And I claim that you've already died for this. And that you, when you are reviled, you do not open your mouth. And so I thank you, God, that you're my substitute. And you've taken my place. And you're alive. So God, I claim victory in your name. So God, change me from this. Change me from the heart that causes me to gossip. And so you've taken the word and you've turned it into a deep, rich prayer then we keep going and we say, okay, what specific promise should I claim? What what word is he's telling to me today that I'm just going to take with me? I'll never leave you or forsake you. Cast all of your cares on him for he cares for you. What does that mean? What would my life look like today if I applied these truths to every moment? That God, every time I have a care, I'm going to just throw it on you. You've told me that in your word. You've already spoken that. So God, I I confess that I don't cast my cares. I confess that my cares become bigger to me than you. But Lord, because of Jesus, you show me that you care for me because of the gospel. So God, I'm casting this. And here's my list of cares today. I throw them on you. What specific request should I ask? What would my life look like today if I applied and believed these truths to every moment? What do I need to do in light of this? What, what's, what needs to happen when I get up off of my knees? That's some really, really, really good uh, place to start. And then, listen, memorize Scripture. You want to dwell on the Word? You want it to dwell in you? Hide it in your heart. You can't claim promises that you don't know. So read the Word. And i will just say, put it into discipline to actually believe it and to try to uh, memorize it. I'm telling you, there'll be a practice and a discipline in your life that will absolutely change you if you will put the Word uh, to memory. All right, let's bow uh, together and let's enter into this time uh, of response. So we want to listen to the Lord. We want to walk in freedom. We really do want to, be, to know God. We really do. So God, would you take what you're teaching us today and change us? You've told us to abide in you. And so listen, if you're here and you do not know what it means to abide in Jesus, we invite you to him. Don't try to do this thing on your own. Jesus invites you into life, into himself. And so for the rest of us, remain in him, trust him, praise him, that you are in Jesus and all that he is. But guys, listen, in his words must abide in us, to dwell in us. And so we want to be changed. So we're asking, God, give us discipline to read your word. Lord, we repent of being bored by your word. We repent of putting anything above this time with you. And so we're going to ask, God, we don't want to approach your word to see it like a wall. So many times it feels that way, doesn't it? When we come before God, it's just a wall keeping us from him. But we're going to say, what if the word is a window? As we look through the word, we see Jesus. So God, remove this wall that's keeping us. Remove us from seeing your word and through prayer and these disciplines. As walls, but Lord, open our eyes. Let us see through these things into you. So we want to claim this promise in Deuteronomy chapter 30. It says, for this commandment that I command you today, this word, is not too hard for you. Neither is it far off, but the word is very near to you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so that you can do it. Here's what we want to say. We say, God, I want your word to be in my mouth. I want your word to be in my heart. I want to be able to obey your word. And and God's promise, He said to you, listen, it's not too hard for you. Everybody in this room, if you claim the name of Christ, you can, you can, you can, you can understand the word. You can make time for Him. It can make sense. Spirit of God. Open my eyes. Help me to remain in you. And the word is near because Jesus came near. He is the word made flesh. And so we know God because of Jesus. So we claim the gospel again this morning. And so we're going to sing this song. God, give me faith. Give me faith to trust what you say. So we'll just stay seated and sing this song out together as a prayer, as a response.